Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode, except for Razzy Month. Razzy Month. So it is Razzy Month, and it is also um, it's Morbin time. It's Morbin time. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. It's Morbin time. Guys, we're doing Morbius. Yes, it is. The front runner for worst picture this year at the Razzies. Yes, it's definitely it's definitely the front runner for sure. Uh, so before we get into it, let's go ahead and pour Juan out. What do you got there, Laura? I have a glass of red wine. Hmm. Why? Because uh, it's a vampire movie. Blood. All right, simple as it. Do you have a fun name for it besides glass of red wine? Real blood. Ah. What do you got there? I have synthetic blood. I took some almond milk and mixed it with some blue curacao to give it this lovely light blue tint and just the tiniest splash of vanilla. Okay. So this should taste like a creamsicle. Uh, But this is... Dr. Michael Morbius's thin synthetic blood. Synthetic. Mm. It looks like the blue milk from Star Wars. It's a lot. I think I, I went too light on the Coruscant. Yeah. So it's actually just very vanilla-y. And yeah. doesn't have enough orange. But it's not bad. Yeah, it's not, very, it's not a creamsicle vibe like you were hoping? No, no. But it's definitely got the cream part down. So, so, and I also wanted to say I wanted to drink this out of like a blood bag, but for the sake of the the podcast and safety of the equipment, it's in a glass. Yeah. Also, blood bags we would have had to get shipped here. True. So yeah. So we open with the old Marvel logo. Yes. It doesn't have any of the MCU actors in it. I'm like, oh yeah, we used to get this all the time for like X Men movies and stuff. It made me feel, and the, it's a vibe. the rest of this movie makes me feel this way, that we were watching, like, the next movie in the Daredevil Fantastic Four series of films. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this takes me back to a not great place, but a place where I was still excited. Yeah, for me, I I was getting the vibe of, like, the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I remember having this logo and, like, Spider-Man. Yeah. I didn't really see Daredevil in theaters or anything. It was Affleck. He was the Daredevil. Yeah, I didn't care. I cared. Yeah, because it's Ben Affleck. I also really like Matt Murdock as a character, so there. Uh, I like Matt Murdock as a character, but I didn't care about him in 2001 or 2002. I'll be honest. So we open on Cerro de Marte, Costa Rica. Yes. And a helicopter lands on a thoroughly CGI rock. Yes. This, to me, looked like they were arriving in Jurassic Park. Yes. Because <laughs> life uh, uh, finds a way. And one man leading the expedition tells the rest, we shouldn't be here when it gets dark. Yes. And uh, Jared Leto, playing Michael Morbius, mm-hmm. has mobility aid forearm crutches. Yes. And... One of the people on the expedition asks, You need a doctor? <laughs> I am a doctor. But doctor, I am Pogliacci. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had this feeling, though, like, I understand you're a doctor. You're still on crutches on a slippery rock. You could use a hand here. <laughs> Someone could help you walk into this cave. Then somebody asks, What are you using this bait? You volunteering? And we see all of the vampire bats. Yes. And then Morbius slits the palm of his hand open and holds out his hand. Yes. I hate this trope. Right. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. If you needed to... This is like a, a trope I've long hated. 
There's so many less stupid ways if you need to draw blood than the palm of your hand. If you're a doctor, right? you know that there's like tendons and all sorts of crap in there that you could slice open and completely ruin usage of your hand. Right. Believe it or not, this is a reference to the comic book. I believe that. It's still stupid. In the lore of Michael Morbius, according to the cartoon, I should mention that this is all coming from the Spider-Man cartoon before somebody corrects me. Uh, The way Michael Morbius worked was not so much that he needed blood. He needed plasma. Mm -hmm. And the way he gathered it was through these like suction cup things on the palm of his hand. Okay. Because the palm of his hand is what got infected. So I think this is meant to reference like his original origin story of the vampiric problem being palm-centric. I don't think it thought that through that well, honestly. Like, I don't think this is a reference. I think... I think we're about to have very different feelings about this film. I I don't think this part was a reference. I genuinely... It's very Mm tropey to slit the palm of your hand. That is true. And... I think it was just done because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's just a trope I've always really hated. Yeah. So he holds out his hand and then there's bats and I go, oh, okay, this is Chris Nolan, Batman Begins, but dumb. Yeah, it should be noted that like the it bats... It looks like Batman Begins, but the, dumb. The bats go crazy, but they don't attack him or anything. Yeah. They just kind of go around and then we circle wipe to Greece. 25 years prior. But like, circle wipe? When have you seen a circle wipe in film? In my adult life? Yeah. Never. This is, it's such an odd choice. And it's not like it's a thing that happens again. It's just out of nowhere, circle wipe. It made me think of The Simpsons. Then we star wipe to Flanders brushing his... Dad, there are other wipes besides star wipes. Why eat hamburger when you can have steak? I'm taking my name off this thing. Michael Morbius has his bed neighbor, who he calls New Milo. Mm -hmm. Because he's called every person who shares the bed next to him in the the children's hospital he's in, Milo. Mm -hmm. The the idea being that just everybody dies here. Yes. Uh, But there's no cure for what Morbius has, and he says the only way to stay alive is three oil changes a day. Mm -hmm. Full blood transfusions. Right. Uh, Then Lucian who's Milo's real name, slumps over and Michael screams. And then he crawls over and fixes the machine that's transfusing blood into him with a ballpoint pen spring. Yeah. Because he's brilliant. And he then calls him Lucian, not Milo. So the doctor who runs the hospital wants to send Michael Morbius to a private school in New York City saying he's too intelligent to lose. Right. And so he sends Michael away and Michael leaves Milo a carefully folded origami note. Yes. That says, I promise I'll find a cure. Also, you shouldn't have unfolded this. Yeah, you're never going to get it back to the way it was. Yeah. But no, no. The wind blows. Yep. And he loses the letter, which means he has to venture outside. Yes. Where the bullies are. Yeah, there's just like obnoxious kids. They're, this is the trope I hate, where kids who are sick just get laughed at by insane bullies. Yeah. With like, they don't even have jokes. It's not like, oh, you and your bad blood or anything. They're just like, ha, weird. It's like, this is, you have less than one dimension. You are a dot. <laughs> you, are, you are a plot point. Yeah, like, they're just unnecessarily unkind to the children in this children's hospital. Yes. And so they taunt him with his letter, and Milo whacks one of them with his crutch. They kick him, they beat him, and the doctor chases them off. Yeah. I believe we are supposed to get something out of this that, like, oh, Milo has evil in him because he defended himself. Yeah, I think we're supposed to get that he's aggressive. Because he attempts to not get beat yeah. up by both. When three people were attacking him at once, he hit one of them once before slumping to the ground. Yeah. Something's wrong with that boy. I definitely agree that we're supposed to get that out of that. I don't... 
I don't agree with it. Yeah, it's I, it's not done well. I agree that's what we were supposed to get. Like, you could have done this better where he hits one of them with the crutch, everyone else runs away, and, and then, he keeps and he keeps going. And I believe there is a moment where, like, the doctor stops him and he goes back after the boy that's down. But, like, he had been beaten up at that point. Yeah. He's allowed to be angry. <laughs> so then we're, we're back in present time. And it turns out that Morbius has made fake synthetic blood. And is up for a Nobel Prize. He's up for a Nobel Prize. He gets his PhD at 19. And we see him about to get the Nobel Prize. And then it smash cuts to New York and a young... Uh, a young patient goes, I can't believe you dissed the King of Sweden. Which implies that Morbius did something cool and that the movie and decided not it. to show it to us. Yeah, it, they decided that he rejects receiving a Nobel Prize is yeah. what happens here, which is baller. But if we were to see him do that, we might care about him as a character. And this movie doesn't want us to. God forbid we get involved in this story. Yeah, it's a bummer that, like, they don't show us Morbius doing this cool thing. Mm-hmm. He kept the prize program, though, and he gives it to his favorite patient. And we also then meet Dr. Bancroft, who is a pretty female doctor, Martine yes. Bancroft. And she is worried about Morbius, and she's also annoyed he turned down the Nobel Prize. Yes. Because she's like, hey, you know what people love doing for Nobel Prize winners? Writing them grants. And giving them money. Now you're going to have to go on Cash Tornado. So he's doing experiments to mix human DNA with bat DNA. We and we got to slow down just a little bit. First, she accuses him of that. Yeah. So it is not well known that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. But because she's smart, she figures it out. And she's kind of like messing around in his lab. And touches a thing, and it's just a big box of bats. It's a bat load. It's a bat load. It is a bat load. And he actually says, That is a fish tank. Hmm. Like for flying mammals. Oh, I see. Some friends I brought back from Costa Rica. So what were you going to tell me? As you do. But, like, I want you to understand that... While he's in his office, that we assume he can lock and people don't like go in and out of, all the war- all the walls of his office are glass, and this is a giant pillar in the center of it. Yes, and she is surprised to find bats in it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> this movie that wants to be Batman begins so bad, so badly, so so badly. So Anna is the patient from before. Yes. And somebody realizes her temperature is spiking, and then they have to induce a coma. So Morbius and Bancroft leave the experiment he was in the middle of, because he had just killed a mouse with his own disease. Yes. And they run away to induce a coma in Anna. Yes. And they realize the mouse returns to life. Yes. Few things I want to say here. Yeah. While they're having an argument about his secret bat project next to his secret box of bats, a nurse just runs in and says, Dr. Morbius, it's Anna. So there's still bats and shit. And I was like, do you not see the giant clear tube of bats that are making noise? How did you just walk in here? Uh, second, uh, good to see Stuart Little getting work. It's It's been a while since I've seen him. He puts in a hell of a performance. It's a good cameo. It's nice that child actors are getting... Yeah, it's... Because yeah. he does look older. Like. Yeah. And he doesn't do much. He's getting up there in age, but like... Well, the, he chews the scenery for the moments he's on screen. All right. We done? So we can move on with the movie? <laughs> we have so many Morbin bits. <laughs> we can't waste time on Stuart Little bits. It's Michael J. Fox, though, and I like him. Morbin time. Okay. So Morbius stares in shock, and he meets up with Milo the next day. And they're making jokes about their conditions. And there's a note where, there's a, uh, a line where 
Morbius just looks and goes, if you start quoting the notebook, I am going to hobble in the other direction. Yes. Because they are both, uh, they both have very limited mobility. They are both using mobility aids. Uh, Milo's got a sick cane. Mm -hmm. And Morbius is using forearm crutches. Yes. And he was telling Milo about it. And he says, it's highly experimental and it's not ethical or legal. And Milo's like, well, is it dangerous? And... Uh, Morbius is like, do you want me to tell you the truth? And Milo goes, no. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, perfect. Super safe. So they have to, te- they have to test it on a human on international waters. Yes. So Mar- Because it's illegal to just test this on, on humans. I should also point out that this happened earlier today with the mouse. Yeah. And a day has gone by and he's like, well, I should put this into my body. So, uh, my, so they, Martine, Bancroft, and Morbius get onto the boat, and they're on international waters with other people? It's like a charter? I think it's a criminal boat. Like, that's the only way that they could be like, hey. Can we come on here and just administer illegal drugs yeah, to your boat? like, I need, it's basically, I need to use your boat in international waters, and I need you to just not, and just leave us alone. And like... If you're doing that, you're working with shady people. Yeah. Because they all have, like, machine guns. So Milo says, test 243 human trials. And he kind of flirts with her as she injects it into his spine. Yes. I I hate this trope of, well, this might work. I better try it on myself. As a scientist, I'm sure you have confidence in yourself and you've had this disease your whole life, and you'd love to see it cured. But if it kills you, who is going to save everyone? <laughs> like, you're the guy that's really smart at this. <laughs> we need you alive. So then what happens is it's Morbin time. It's Morbin time. The he... Morb is loose. Yeah. Morb, Morb, Morb. And Morbius thrashes within an enclosed room that Bancroft has left. It's yes. a glass room and he ushers Bancroft out as he starts to morb out. Yeah, he's going for Morby. And she doesn't want the mercs on the boat to shoot him. He crashes through the glass and knocks her onto the floor out cold. Mm-hmm. And then he's buff as hell now, and he mercs all eight mercenaries. Yes. He's just jumping around. He's part vampire and part lost smoke monster. As he leaps and flips around this boat and drinks everybody dry. <laughs> yep. And then he calls in a mayday message yeah, then, and jumps ship. Well, he first, then he like just kind of wakes up. Like they're trying to imply that he doesn't remember doing any of this stuff. Yeah. And then once he like sees the the security footage, he puts it together, uh, calls a mayday message. And then he jumps off the boat, but the shot is so wide that I was, like, unsure what happened. Like, you just see a boat and something come off of it. Like, it's not clear that it's him. I thought it was very clear it was him. Oh. I thought it was really obvious well, I it guess him. I'm dumb. The, uh, the cops come onto the boat and say, like, we haven't had anything this good since San Francisco. Which is clearly a reference. What? Nothing this good since San Francisco. Yeah. Rice-a-roni? Venom. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) It's a Venom reference. Uh, But they find an origami bat. Because, you know, when I completely lose it and kill a bunch of people, the next thing I do is make it a little origami bat. Well, this is to... So... That she'll find it and be like, oh, he must have been alive because he made the bat. And that's just kind of like his message to her. Yeah. It's still leaving behind insane evidence. So then, you know, Morbius swims home. Yes. Uh, Before we go any further, though, I need to point this out. What has happened here is a ghost ship basically was left in the middle of the ocean And cops find everyone drained in blood. Yep. This is a Dracula reference. Yeah. That's how Dracula gets to uh, wherever the Harker residence is. 
a ghost ship basically shows up mm-hmm. and all of the crew is dead and drained of blood and there's a crate missing, which is Dra- Dracula. So the fact that they are going hard enough to be like, yeah, we're retelling Dracula. This is a modern Dracula. Shows that they put some good thought into this. Someone somewhere put thought into Morbius. Yes. One person. Yeah. Anyway. So then he drinks some of his synthetic blood after walking back to his lab. And then I have the thought, oh God, Michael Morbius is a vegetarian vampire. Just in time for Twilight Nostalgia. Yay. He gon' sparkle. Mm-hmm. And then he gains superhuman powers, just like in Twilight. And he's also now besties with all the bats. Yes. Just like in Batman Begins. It should be noted that also when he gets hungry, it's this weird cycle of first he gets the Jimmy legs because his like sickness reappears Mm -hmm. and then he becomes ultra strong because he's in like a blind hungry rage. Yes. So the it's after feeding feels really good. And then there's like a, a point of normalcy. And then weakness, and then insanity. That is the cycle. Milo uh, comes into the lab while he's having one of these episodes. And Michael crawls up to the glass and scrawls the word blood. In blood. In blood? I'm guessing it's his own blood? Possibly. Yeah. So Milo stumbles to the blood. He grabs some of the synthetic blood and throws it to Morby. And watches him drink it. And he's like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, rightfully. Like, oh, my surrogate brother is just drinking this now. All right. Yeah. So, (laughs) a couple questions for you here. Okay. One, do you think this is supposed to be a drug metaphor? No. That this is supposed to be like withdrawals and like the danger of drug use? No, this is to give some sort of stakes so that Morbius has to feed every so often. Okay. So that there's always the threat of if he doesn't have artificial blood available, he'll kill somebody. Okay. Uh, so, this after he's given the blood, I don't know if we've mentioned this. Morbius is Jared Leto. I did. And Milo is Doctor Who. I did not mention that Matt Smith... <laughs> you, can't say, you can't say Doctor Who. There's 13 of the... 14. He's the Doctor. He's Matt Smith. He's the Matt 11th Smith. Doctor. Yes. You potato... <laughs> So <laughs> Matt Smith and Jared Leto are having this this debate and all that really happens is Jared Leto stands up and Milo's like, oh my God, you're cured. Give it to me. And he responds, I can't give it to you. It's a curse. And Milo's like, oh, so you get to be fine and I have to just die? That's great. And he storms off. Yeah. Two important things. One- okay. It's a curse, the whole vampiric curse. Yes. Yeah, we're sticking with that kind of like mythology. Uh, Two, nowhere during this conversation does Jared Leto explain why it's bad. He absolutely does. He says he killed people. Does he? Yes, he absolutely does. I thought it was just like him being like, I can't, it's a curse. Him being like, why? I killed people, Milo. Oh. I literally have Michael confesses. Yeah, no, Michael uh, does, in fact, admit to killing people. I don't think he tells the story at length. I think it's literally just, I killed people, Milo. Yeah, I I just, I felt like it was, there wasn't enough explanation to Milo. There wasn't a lot. For, like, why, like, like, he just says it's a curse. It's like, well, there's lots of good reasons why. For Milo. You could explain with logic. For all Milo knows, though, Michael could be implying he killed people to create the cure. Mm-hmm. Not that he killed people immediately after receiving it. Yeah, there's not enough data that's like, no, there's, I'm a monster, help me. There's not a lot of detail. Yeah, just have um, a conversation with your brother. But he does just go like, yo, I killed people. So, uh, they, there's a scene with Bancroft in the hospital where they tell her people were exsanguinated, which means they drew all their blood. And then we see a scared nurse running down the hall. And we get a good old Morby jump scare. And the nurse is killed as the lights dramatically go out over her. Yes. So then we cut back to Morbius, 
who is sitting by Anna's bedside as the six hour timer goes off, meaning he has to go drink more artificial blood. Yes. Because right now he gets about six hours between feedings before things start to get bad. Yes, but he's also building up a tolerance to it. Yeah, six hours is down from seven. Yeah. So he comes out as people find the dead nurse lying in the hall. And the cops question him because he left an origami bat where he killed the last people. And this nurse has also been exsanguinated. So then he just morbs around. We have a whole chase sequence with the cops and Morbs morbing around. Well, yeah, well, Morbius can like use his echolocation hearing to yeah. hear what uh, is being said in the cops' Bluetooth, which is not how echolocation works. Uh, and here's like them getting information about what's going down, and he realizes that he's in trouble, so he tries to flee. I gotta say, these cops are smart to a point that it's unbelievable. Like, I know in every horror movie, cops are stupid. Like, that's the trope where it's like, help, a man in my mask just trying to murder me with a knife. Yeah, sure, lady. (laughs) We'll get there. That's your typical cops. Yeah. It seems almost when they're on the boat that they are saying without saying, "This this is a vampire. This is totally a vampire, right? Like, they're drained of all their blood. That probably means that probably means vampire. Say it, Bella. <laughs> yeah, vampire. It definitely felt like these, are, these cops are way too accepting of what's going on to be like, I think there's, there might be a vampire here. Morbs is apprehended by the cops. Yes. They don't really care about the mercenaries. They're really only mad about the nurse. Yeah, they actually say those words. <laughs> exactly, they say like, Look, we weren't, we were going to kind of look the other way about the eight mercenaries. Who cares about them? But like the nurse. Yeah, that's not cool. And Morbius concedes like she was a great person. Like she was a single mom. It should be noted that one of the cops in this scene has holy water. Holy water? Really? What? I'm not taking any chances. It's triple blessed. Yes. Which means he is 100% in that like, oh, I know what happened. That guy's a vampire. And no, there's not a cop that anywhere that questions this. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's one of them. It's one of the vampires. I guess because they've dealt with Venom, that like they're more open-minded to like, this type of shenanigans these days? Yeah, like, I think they might be... I kind of get the impression they're a variant of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, I guess. It's still weird. You can't call them S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, they were in San Francisco with Venom, and now they're in New York with Morbius. So they're clearly not, like, run-of-the-mill detectives. Are these act- are these characters from Venom? I don't know off the top of my head, but they literally say, we haven't seen anything this good since San Francisco, mm. which implies... So let me... Oh. Find out. No, they were not from Venom. Okay. Uh, but I guess we can imply that they... Maybe they're going to keep turning up because they... Spoiler, they live. Yeah. Uh, so I could see them trying to sort of make these two the Coulson. Yeah, maybe that's what they're going with that, here. That's why I think they're... Yeah. We haven't seen anything since... They're clearly not New York cops. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because they're in international waters. And they say we haven't seen anything like this in San Francisco, so they're clearly some sort of elevated agent of some kind. Right. So uh, they ask him why he did that, and he says, I can't answer that, but I'm getting hungry. You wouldn't want to see me when I'm hungry. You wouldn't like like me when I'm hungry. Yeah, they're, they're playing off the Hulk. And then they tell him his lawyer's here. And it's Milo. It's never a real lawyer. Whenever in TV or film your lawyer is here, it's always a friend of yours, a family member. I want to be real with you. I, in that brief moment before you saw who it was, had convinced myself it was going to be Matt Murdock. Ben Affleck, Matt Murdock. Honestly, because we watched this so recently, I know that couldn't have been the case. Because there's no way that wouldn't have been spoiled. 
<laughs> my mind would have exploded. So they hug. Milo guides Morbius to a bench and he's agonizing. Morb cannot remember killing the nurse. And we see Milo drinking out of a flask. Yes. And then they they talk and Milo's like, you know, I'll do what I can to get you out of here. Yeah. Gives and him some blood. Well, we don't see that yet. Milo leaves. And... Oh, I thought he actually said, like, this is to keep you going. Milo leaves. And he walks out. And before we cut back to Morbius, I'm like, Milo left the cane in the cell. Mm-hmm. And then Morbius turns around and confirms that. Yeah. And Milo has also left Morbius a bag of real blood. Yes. Which is kind of sweet of him. Yeah. Uh, the reason uh, the reason I think this was surreptitious was it's real blood instead of the synthetic. Yes. If he was just going to hand it to him, I'd think it was the synthetic. So Morbius drinks it and then morbs out of prison. Yeah. And the smoke when he morbs out of prison is orange because his jumpsuit's orange. Yeah. Sure. So this is the part where I really am starting to wonder like, wait, what is the smoke that's around him? Because it's not, it's like a blurred reality around him because it's affected by the colors that he's wearing. Or is it just fun with CGI? Uh, (laughs) I think it might just be fun with CGI. I think it's fun with CGI, frankly. Uh, I think it's CGI is cool and we are still amused by it. So the smoke is whatever color his clothes are. And then Milo is talking to a newsstand. Uh owner and the newsstand owner is making fun of michael morbius because he's on the papers for being arrested for these murders yes and he says something crappy about morbius yeah, he says i always thought that guy was a freak and then milo straight murders him yeah because you know how everyone is up to date on nobel prize winners <laughs> Like I've oh, as someone who's been following the career of Michael Morbius, blood doctor from my newsstand, I have strong opinions about him. So, Milo also killed the nurse. Obviously, yes. Morbius is upset because he wanted to warn Milo and save Milo, and then Milo's just like, "I've been sick my whole life. I just want to have fun." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's evil, because he hit that one kid with crutch once. So they go to the subway, and they have a Milo Morb fight, and my next note is, and I quote, it's real dumb. Yeah, they, they have this- Cops show up, they cuff Milo, who grabs a shard of subway tile, hucks it at one cop, and slits his throat with it, and then eats a second cop. Mm-hmm. And then dances. And then does a dance, that's my next note. He's <laughs> like, oh Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a good old time. And then Michael, Milo starts singing for Michael as he pursues him through the subway. Like, Michael. Mm -hmm. And then. Like he's Samoa Joe. And then Milo's like, I'm not going to fight you, Milo. And then he jumps in front of a subway and it turns out he can fly like a bat. So. What happens here is he's watching as Milo's like running towards him and the train is coming. And like as that's happening, he's kind of like touching the air and his eyes go weird. Like his eyes, his eyes legitimately go Rick and Morty. Like they go from pupil to like blotch. Yeah. And then... Like, something about the way he feels in the air and everything being weird colors, he realizes, I could fly this whole time. Yep. And just jumps in front of this train and uses the air around him to kind of, like, squirrel suit his way down the train tracks. It's not flying, it's falling with style. Yeah. It's gliding like a sugar glider. Yeah, he's a sugar glider. Like like a vampire sugar glider. Ooh. My next Write no- that down. <laughs> My next note. It's real dumb. It's real dumb. So then Morbius goes to wherever Bancroft is and sneaks up on her. And 
He says he didn't kill the nurse or the cops or the newsstand guy. Milo did it. And they go to a diner. And there's a real fun bit here where she keeps trying to offer him coffee. And he's like, no, no, no. I gave up caffeine. She goes, it's decaf. And then he looks at her and just sticks his hand in the sunspot on the table. And he goes, not that kind of vampire. He goes, ah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, then two randoms try to force counterfeit bills on the nice young cashier at the diner and rough her up a little bit when she declines in broad daylight in a public place. Yes. And then Morbius follows them down and morbs down to their lab. Yeah, so at first I was like, this is dumb that all of a sudden he's like, I have a sense of duty to stop these counterfeiters. But that's not what he's doing. He's like, oh, they must have a lab that I can use. There's a great, one of my favorite lines, because it's so stupid, is he goes and he goes, I love this movie. Is this the part where the mysterious guy with the hoodie comes in and kicks everybody's asses? I love that part. And I was like, you're not funny and meta enough. You're not, you're not Venom, Jared Leto. That felt like such a like, we'll put this line in until we think of something clever. Because we need, like, the line for when the guy in the hoodie kicks everyone's ass. So, like, we'll think about it. And then shooting day came and they all looked at the script like, oh, we never wrote anything. I want the lab and the spicy Cheetos. (laughs) Product placement from spicy Cheetos. Spicy Cheetos. It's Morbid time. Cheetos have, uh, this is the second appearance by Cheetos in uh, the Marvel Universe because they also appeared in She-Hulk. Where She-Hulk uses chopsticks... To eat Cheetos so she doesn't get Cheeto hands, which is based on a picture of Oscar Isaac that went viral, where he does the same. Great trivia. And that is Cheeto Facts. Cheetos, sponsor us. You and Beatbox. (laughs) Cheeto flavored Beatbox. (laughs) No, excuse me. Flamin' Hot Cheeto Beatbox. (laughs) Flamin' Hot Cheeto Beatbox. (laughs) So then we get the scene you've probably seen before. The scene that really went viral, much like in the hit film Megan, uh, there is a scene where Matt Smith's Milo is dancing. It's like American Psycho 8 Love Actually. Okay. It's when Milo's, That's a great movie pitch. I would see that movie. <laughs> it's when uh, Milo is dancing in his apartment. It looks... It's got the vibe of Love Actually when Hugh Grant is dancing through the Prime Minister's house, but also has heavy Christian Bale, Patrick Bateman vibes. Uh, (laughs) But this was like the scene that went viral because it's Spider-Man 3 level dumb. Yes, it it definitely, it smelled of Spider-Man 3. However, there are two quotes that I got to go back to really quickly in the lab. There's the one moment where he's beating everybody up and the guy goes, Who the hell are you, Matt? Me. I am Venom. And he's like, uh, uh, okay. (laughs) Like, it's a very weird thing to just include because, I mean, I didn't see the second one. Yeah. But not a lot of people knew about Venom in the first one. (laughs) And also, like... Not for nothing. It's not I am Venom. It's we are Venom. We are Venom. Topher Grace. Sorry, you brought up old old wounds. Uh, The other thing I want to mention that he says is he's beating someone up. And he says... uh, And introduce the phalanges. And the metacarpals. And the pretty little stinky pinky. Mm -hmm. That's a shocker reference, right? Not the Spider-Man villain. (laughs) The sexual act. I refused to acknowledge it and did not take notes on it. No, I want to have a long debate about this. I decline, respectfully. I've won the debate. Sure. (laughs) So, uh, then we get a scene where Milo orders tequila at a bar, looks at a cute blonde, kind of flirts with her, and then a guy, ostensibly her boyfriend doesn't like it and shoves Milo and takes the girl and leaves. Yeah. So you know Milo's gonna eat that dude. Yeah. Milo eats that dude. So then Bancroft sneaks into Morby's labby and Milo's in there and kind of confronts Bancroft who says she doesn't know where Michael is. Mm -hmm. 
And he's like, your heart rate is rising. Like, I can tell you're lying. Yes, I have superpowers now. And we find out her name is Martine. Did we not know that before? Uh, we knew her name was Bancroft. I don't know if we'd gotten her first name yet. Oh, okay. Or maybe it just didn't matter because she's not... I have opinion. We'll get back to my opinions on Martine. Okay. So the detectives are looking for her. And one of them says, like, I think she took her cat. Because he shakes the litter box and no cat emerges. Is that a way to get a cat near you? Because I would think you would go with shaking a treat bag uh, or... Sp- 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 I-, I had that thought too. I think what he's actually doing is looking for cat poop. Because he's like, ah, it's clean. There must not be a cat here. Yes. Still weird. Still, you could just go... Sp- 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 well, I think the thought is if... If it's clean, that meant that that would give the motive of not only is she not here, but she planned to be gone for a while because she took her cat and she made sure it was clean so it didn't come back stinky. I think. Uh, You got to remember, these guys are super cops that have already figured out there's a vampire. Yes. (laughs) Normal cops would never get this smart. If we were watching a Dracula film, there would still be cops like... trying to get into fist fights with Dracula. Like, I could probably take him. And they're right, because the next thing we cut to is Bancroft and her cat in Morbius's lab as she opens a can of cat food, feeds her cat, and she cuts her finger. Like, realistically, not like big dramatic... Like, she... It's a jagged can edge. Mm -hmm. And a drop of her blood hits the cement next to her. Mm -hmm. And Morbius just barely does not morb. Yeah, she's just like, mmm, mm. it's like Bella stood in front of the fan. It really is. It's it's Twilighty. Yeah, like, you better cover that up. <laughs> so then Bancroft and Morbs have like a heart to heart and kiss. And Milo is just staring at them from like across the city. Yeah. Uh, so we have the two detectives. One of them is dumb. The other one is annoyed. So are we. Uh, because they have found the body of the guy who had crossed Milo. Who had, like, warned Milo away from the girl. Right. Because I found the girl interesting. Because we don't see her again. But she definitely reminded me of the waitress in the first Avengers movie. Oh, the one that, like, had a bunch of scenes and then didn't do anything? (laughs) I I felt like maybe she had cutscenes. Like, she might have talked to Milo when he was still very sick. Mm. And Milo had, like, developed a crush on her. Yeah. So, uh, their surrogate father, the doctor, who's the surrogate father to both Milo and Morbius, is realizing what's happening. Yes. And he shows up to Milo's house and we're like, oh, he's going to get dead. And he and Milo have a fight because Milo is resentful that Nicholas, the surrogate father, likes Morby more. Yeah. Milo fatally wounds Nicholas, but does not kill him. Because Nicholas has time to call Morbius and die in his arms. Yes. He calls Morbius and then waits for Morbius to get there. And then when Morbius is there, he's like, finally, Michael, you're here. But all that time could have been used to call an ambulance. Yeah. It's less numbers. (laughs) Or like Morbius is, I don't know, a doctor? He could have tried. I mean, the fact that no one has the the wherewithal to be like, I'm bleeding out. Someone should get here to save me. Yeah. Maybe someone who can use sirens to get here quickly. So, uh, while Nicholas dies, Milo is menacing Martine. And Morbius, like, can hear it. And he goes, like, call out to him, Martine. Yes. Which is, again, not how a location works. Like, I want him to hear you call out for him. He, she screams that she's hurt, he's hurting her. And then Milo hurts Mar- Martine again, fatally, but not immediately. Yes. She screams, and then Morbius flies purpley across New York City. Why is everything purple? I don't know. There's no... This This is one of the things that bothers me. A big thing about superheroes is color theory. 
like, one of the things that I enjoy about, like, a good comic book is, like, Spider-Man is red and blue. Mm Mm-hmm. How many of his villains are green and yellow? Several. Several. Most? Yeah. Dr. Octopus is, is green and yellow. Green the Goblin, lizard, Hobgoblin. Yeah. Uh, Scorpion. Electro. Yeah. It's because they're opposing colors. And Swiss Miss is silver. You just wanted to say Swiss Miss. You didn't have anything to add to this. I do. I just, I, 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 did, I wanted to bring up Swiss Miss. Okay. Do you feel better? I do. All right. Anyway, uh, color theory is important to all. All superheroes, like having those contracted, contrasting colors to show that you're on different sides is so... Star Wars! Blue and red, always. They don't do that here. Like, Morbius is wearing orange in one scene, he's wearing purple in another. Morbius does not have a consistent outfit. No, he's wearing green in the... when he Because he looks like Bruno when he's uh, taking the lab. Like, none of this makes sense. Like, where's your theming, movie? He gets to Martine, and they make out, and then she dies, but she very obviously licks her lips and swallows. She bites him. Yeah. She bites his lip. It's like, if I'm going out, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. I have no excuses for this movie. Yeah, bites But she licks her lips and swallows... Clearly signaling that she is going to have ingested his blood. Yes. Uh, and then she dies. And then she dies. And then he cries morbidly. Yes. They, they, he morbs a bit remorsefully. <laughs> so, I, I do want to point out, when I say morbidly, I actually do mean something by it. His face vamps out like a Buffy vampire. Which I don't think we've mentioned yet. No, we haven't. But unlike a Buffy vampire who just kind of like turns it on when it's go time. Yeah. Like it's actually morphing time. Morpheus like, it happens like when he sneezes. (laughs) Like, he'll just be walking down the street and be like, bleh, nope, all right, now I'm back. And bleh, all right, now I'm back. And uh, Milo does it seemingly, he like glitches out into it. Yeah. Which, okay, is the idea that that's now their natural form and it takes effort to look like Jared Leto and Matt Smith? Because, like, I that would be cool, but probably should be a little more explicit. It To me, it seems like it's a lot of fun with CGI. Yeah, It seems like there's a lot of moments where it's like, well, this movie's not very good. What can the editors do? They can make Jared Leto look weirder. Well, that's cool, but don't overdo it. All right, we'll do it a few frames here and there. So then Milo and Morbius fight CGI Morbily. Yes, they fall forever. Yes. They have this like mid-air fight where they must have jumped off the highest building in the world. Because <laughs> they fight forever. And then Remember they... in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that beautiful What's Up Danger scene? Yes. This is that, but bad. This is the opposite of that. They then, like, crash through the street and end up in the subway where Matt Smith, like, catches himself like a trapeze artist and yes. hangs upside down because he's a bat now. <sighs> Remember in Good Morning... When, uh, what's his name? Machine Gun Kelly says, I've been training to be Batman. I've hung upside down for six weeks. That actually happens in this movie. You know what's strange? My next note is, this is still kind of better than Good Morning, though. (laughs) So he calls his bat friends. Because remember, this movie at one point wanted to be crappy Nolan Batman Begins. I I can't believe you're just saying that. Because... What happens is there's a moment where Jared Leto's like, you're making me do this. And there's like a moment of silence. And I looked at you like, he's calling the bats. A hundred bats are about to show up. And a hundred thousand bats show up. Yep. Like, there are too many bats for there to be anything possible. Like, it's... It's so many bats that what the bats are doing are going, excuse me, crap, sorry, excuse me, sorry, what, ooh, sorry. 
So the bats just like swarm Morbius and they're just like morbing him, whatever, vibing. Uh, they don't tear Milo apart, despite the fact that Morbius established that the bats would tear anyone else apart. But I guess they don't tear Milo apart because he's kind of some bat. But they don't love him the way they love Morbius. Yeah. The, the cops then show up, like the super cops that understand things. Mm-hmm. They look over this, the hole and then a million bats fly out of the hole and they sort of react. They have a bunch, amount, they have the same amount of reaction to a million bats flying out of the ground as Stephen Stills has when uh, Scott Pilgrim does something insane. It's just like, oh, okay, this is happening. Got it. It's like, no, you should at least be like, crap, bats. Yeah, they're just kind of like, they're rabies. They're, They're very chill about it. Especially for two people that believe in vampires. So then, like, Morbius pulls out Chekhov's gun, which, when did this get mentioned? When did the plan get mentioned? Because I missed this entirely. There is a moment where they are in the lab together, uh, Martine and uh, Morbius, where he makes an antibody. Yes. And it's like, but the antibody will kill him. Which makes you not a great scientist, in my opinion. I mean, my thought was they need to act quickly. Right. I would have come up with, like, a counter to the thing that I was putting into my own body before I put it into my own body. I mean... I don't think he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm going to say it. I don't think he got a Nobel Peace Prize. He didn't. He rejected it. I, I think it was a Nobel Prize for science of some kind. Oh. Not Peace Prize. Well, I don't think he deserves that one either. <laughs> but I, I also think that this is very classic. You keep bringing up Dracula. This is Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. Like, scientists experimenting on themselves because they don't want to try to experiment on someone else is a very old science fiction trope. Yes. And, like, I, un- I can understand that trope when they do the whole thing like, it has to be me because it's dangerous or no one else was willing to do it. But if it killed him, he's condemning all the people he's trying to save to death because he's the only one who can do it. Yep. I just, I couldn't get past that. So, Morbius then stabs Milo, who, like, whimpers and cries. And he goes like, you gave me my name. (laughs) And they're sad together. And Morbius calls him Lucian and demorbs as Milo just kind of dies. He just kind of dies in front of him. And then... Like what he did when he was a kid. Quote, the bats just kind of swarm, IDK. Yeah. (laughs) And credits. And that's the end of the movie. Or is it? In that we get two mid-credit scenes? Yep. Uh, We go to a prison... And someone materializes in a cell. And it's Michael Keaton. It's Michael Keaton. Reprising his role from Spider-Man Homecoming as the Vulture. Yeah. And we see a news story where it's like, he will likely be immediately released because this poor man just materialized in this empty cell. We don't know what happened to him. Yeah, there's also like a weird purple crack in the sky. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to believe happened. If this is blip-related? Oh, it's not blip-related. It's multiverse crap. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think this is the multiverse thing kind of starting to snake in. Yeah, because he was not in too many Spider-Men. No, he was not. So, I like, something went wrong and he just slipped into the wrong dimension and nobody noticed in that movie. And now he's in the Morbius, the more more reverse. You want to try that again? Nope, I'm happy with that. The Morble universe? Yes, better. So we then get some more credits and then we see Morbius driving on an empty road late, late at night. It looks exactly like the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercial. Just the way it's shot. He's like, ah, I'm just thinking about the road. I was like, oh, I guess a car commercial's in the middle of this. I definitely thought of Good Morning 
when uh, Machine Gun Kelly's texting and driving, heading oh. to go meet up with his girlfriend. <laughs> yes. So, uh, something approaches and Morbius bears his nail claws and considers Morbin out as Vulture approaches. And he goes like, look, I want to do some good. Maybe we could team up. And it's the knockoff version of the Nick Fury ending of Iron Man. It's very important to mention that he says, I don't know what's going on here. I think it has something to do with Spider-Man. Yes, he does. Like He name drops Spider-Man, which no one has name dropped. No. As much as we have mentioned Venom, I still don't know if Spider-Man exists in this universe. Nope, we do not know. Like, is this the Andrew Garfield universe? It's yeah. the Sony-verse, right? Mm-hmm. It is the Sony-verse, yes. I don't so know if I would Andrew... imagine it would kind of be that, because remember for a while there was like the talk of the Insidious Six film? The Sinister Six, yes. Oh yeah, the Sinister Six. The And it was going to be a Spider-Man-less Sinister Six movie? Yeah, which I, we really wondering how that was going to work out. Yeah. I think that's what they're setting up here. I, I agree. Like, eventually it was going to be Morbin time with Vulture and Venom. <laughs> that seems insane. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, I need to mention this. Did you ever happen to sit down and watch the trailer for this movie? I believe I did, but I don't remember it super well. The trailer for this movie heavily implied that it was going to have major implications on Spider-Man. Okay. Because there's, like, graffiti scene that says, like, Spider-Man's a lie. And, it like, implying that this was going to have answers to what's going on with Spider-Man because the last time we left Spider-Man, we had revealed his identity to the world. Well, and then everybody had forgotten him because Morbius does come out after No Way Home. I mean, I guess it must have. Yeah, Morbius absolutely comes up yeah. after No Way Home. But there, there was graffiti implying that this was going to have major... Which means that when Vulture mentioned Spider-Man, that's like kind of an interesting thing because Spider-Man's been forgotten. Yes. Or no, just Peter Parker's been forgotten. My bad. But yet, he would have, he knew who Peter Parker was. True. So he actually, might, and he might still know, because he, we don't know. Maybe? We don't know the timey-wimey, the timey-wimey-ness of it, of this Matt Smith movie. In any case, there was graffiti about Spider-Man on the wall. Yeah. And there's a shot where someone is reading the Daily Bugle, and the headline's about Black Cat. Yes. Implying that Felicia Harding was going to be in this movie. Yes. So they made this trailer that was so full of misinformation about what was going to be in Morbius, people threatened to sue for false advertising. (laughs) Because they implied it was going to be this bigger movie that was going to like set up new things and have connections to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it just wasn't. It was a thing that they threw into a trailer to get people excited that were just lies. Yeah. And that's one of the major reasons people hate this movie. I mean, it makes perfect sense because they were also very much capitalizing on the fact that No Way Home was easily the biggest hit of 2021. And so they started marketing this movie right off the heels of No Way Home. Yeah. And this movie, how do you feel? Um, it's fine. Uh, I'm not actively angry I watched it the way sometimes I am with uh, Razzie movies. I think this might have been more fun to watch with a group Maybe. than watching it taking studious notes. Sometimes I do feel like I miss out when watching Stay Doomed movies uh, because I am trying to take notes for the show. Yeah. And I don't think I'm getting the experience. Because uh, we, full disclosure, we watched Megan last night. Mm-hmm. And for fun. I had a very good time watching Megan. Uh, But I was also sitting with a bunch of friends. I was not taking notes. I was watching the movie and enjoying it for the campy, ridiculous film it was. And I think I would have enjoyed Morbius more if I could have just sat there and cracked jokes instead of, like, 
forcing myself to understand it and take notes. Yeah, I mean, when I watch these, I'm not trying to enjoy it as like a negative 10. I'm trying to enjoy it on the 0 to 10 scale because that's how it's meant to be enjoyed. And like... (sighs) This movie really reminded me of like early... 2000s comic book movies. Was it it the over-reliance on CGI? That was definitely part of it. But like, I kept saying like, I was waiting for Daredevil to come up. This felt like a perfect like Daredevil Blade Electra film. Yes, that level of kind of like proto-gritty comic book movie. Like, we're trying to base it in reality, man. Yeah. And honestly, if I was going to compare this to one other superhero movie, it's not a Marvel movie. The one that this reminded me the most of is Catwoman. I can see that. Because you're introducing a new character in this like big solo film that's usually tied to a hero that we love. Yes. And the story you're telling is actually quite small. Yeah. Like, it's a superhero movie, but like... But there are fewer than ten speaking roles. Yeah, there's not a lot of people in it. There's not a lot of locations. And there's not a lot of, like, epic stakes. There's really only six characters in this movie. Yeah. It's Milo, Michael, Martine, the surrogate father, and the two cops. You could generously add... Anna the patient, mm-hmm. if you wanted to. But, like, when I think of, like, Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I think of that scene where uh, the Green Goblin shows up and terrorizes a crowd of people. Yeah. There's not that threat of peril, really. No. Like... Now that Milo's dead, this will become a cold case for the police station that people will be like, well, that was weird. Yeah. But it stopped happening, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, We also never... We never get payoff on the amount of time Morbius needs between blood drinking-ish dwindling. That never pays off. No, there's it's never... It's a Chekhov's gun that does not go off. Yeah, they're definitely implying that eventually he's going to have to go with real blood. Yeah. And what's going to happen when we get to that point. But we don't have time to get to that point. I guess that was going to be sequel stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a good movie hidden here. Yeah. Because you could have... You're playing with the, the... vampire mythos and they do some like nice like references to dracula and stuff like that i almost wish they had mentioned something like you don't even sparkle like i think that would have been a fun reference i almost feel like the sony movies are very afraid of that because it's one of the things marvel gets made fun of for yeah is being too quippy yes uh but you could have told the story of I'm sick. The only way that I can, like, survive is getting these, as he called it, oil changes, these blood transfusions. And now he's better. And the way he gets better is every six hours, he needs blood. So he's on the same roller coaster. He's on the same roller coaster. It's just the highs are higher. Yeah. And, like, to not tie that thread together in a nice little bow... Is such a such a blunder. It's such an obvious step to make, and I'm not saying that it's done in a way that's like um, it's too subtle. Like, you know, some people might miss making that connection. They don't make that connection. No. They never actually state that. That is not an intentional through line in this film. No. But it would have been so easy to make it one, and it would have made this movie so much better. <laughs> it would have been a thought. Yeah. None of this is thought-provoking. No. Like, we never have the moments of him being like, I'm better, but it's cursed. Is it better this way? Should I try to cure myself? 
None of that. It's always just like, next objective for Morbius. No, there's never a moment where he really, like, thinks about the ethics. There's never a moment where he tries to, like... Uh, we, we also get the obvious crappy sequel hook of, like, Martine clearly drinking his blood. Well, she wakes up at the end. Yeah. She's on the roof and she's like, <gasps> and her eyes are weird. Yeah. So now we have Martine the vampire. That's another problem I have. One, we, we have no investment in Martine and Michael together. I have no investment in any of these characters. And we have no investment in Martine in particular. She's such a helper female character. This trope can be done well. Pepper Potts is an example of this trope done fairly well. Mm-hmm. But Martine is there to try to lend a little emotion to the movie, but it's unearned. Yeah. Like, we don't really care about their love story. We don't really care about her. Uh, when she dies, whatever, you're kind of just like, oh, yeah, they killed the woman. Of course they did. This... They killed an old pers- the old guy and the woman. Original. This is, I think, the best definition of what happens. Stuff. This yeah. is the movie where stuff happens. <laughs> like, the, there's not, like, really an arc. There's not really, like, important stakes. You don't care about anybody. Just stuff happens for 90 minutes or so. Yep. So, what's, what's your verdict? Oh, it's a stay doomed. It's a stay doomed for me as well. Uh, where are you ranking this? Uh, I would put this at the head of the class so far. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Good Morning and Pinocchio. I would say that I enjoyed it more than Good Morning as well. Uh, P- Pinocchio is still at the bottom of my list. I would say that Good Morning delivered on what it promised more mm-hmm. than Morbius did. Morbius like fails more at its goals. But I would say that I would watch Morbius again if I had to. I wouldn't watch any of these again. If, <laughs> again no, none willingly. Of these, none of these have that, like, cat's energy. No. Like, there is moments where I'm like, this could be better. And then there are moments where I'm like, this could be worse. It'd be better if this was worse. Yeah, this has been a kind of unfun year so far for the Razzies. It's been a bit of a slog. Yeah. But yeah, Pinocchio's still... King of the Mountain for me. For the worst movie. For the worst movie. Oh, yeah. See, I'm saying Morbius is top for me uh, because I liked it the most of the three. Right, right. But to me, the worst is the uh, the worst is still Pinocchio. Uh, so what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we'll be watching The King's Daughter. Yes, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, you can stream it on Freebie Ooh. for free. That's what we will be doing. Uh, if you love the show and you want to support it, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash plus two comedy and help uh, make us decisions about this very show. Also, thank you to Matthew for being a super cool patron. And uh, if you want to talk to me about... Oh, no, where can where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. And if you want to talk to me about the character of Michael Morbius, which it turned out I actually really like in the Spider-Man universe, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to talk about the uh, women in the fr- refrigerators trope, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>